In your corner, we are back at it. One eight three three. In your corner is the number and help at inyourcorner.ca. Any time to reach out, get a hold of Savan James, member of the team. Guys, uh, we're back here doing our uh, doing our radio thing and loving it. We got a lot to cover today. Uh, some questions, some emails, but first, the week that was. I know you guys both probably have one or fifty, but we'll get to the who's going to start. James, you going to start? No, I think Savan will start this. Week. Okay, I'll start. <laughs> right, I'll start. Fine. And John, just before we start, I want to yep. say that uh, uh, we've had an amazing response to the TV show. Yeah. Uh, in your corner. Uh, where we speak about the exact same issues that we speak about on this show, except that you can actually see how good-looking I am and yeah. how bad-looking John is. Bit of a stretch, but uh, right. well, you know, I yeah. have to say something here. Yeah, Sundays uh, at 8.30, by the way. Sundays at 8.30, exactly. on Global. Uh, and, and again, we do the same thing. We take uh, uh, questions ahead of time, and we answer them, and some phone calls as well. So very informative, very interesting. Mm-hmm. Let me start off, John, by uh, telling you about uh, this individual who contacted me. He's 43 years old. He was denied long-term disability. And uh, what's happened is that he has a tumor around uh, the artery around his heart, I guess, and he's having uh, some serious treatments with a lot of side effects. Uh, he has uh, a family doctor and a chronologist. He has a whole bunch of experts and uh, specialists uh, who have provided reports to the insurance company telling the insurance company that he's unable to work. And despite all of that, the insurance company sends back a denial and says, uh, just insufficient medical documentation. We don't think that you are, in fact, disabled from working. Why are we not shocked? Complete yeah. nonsense. Absolute nonsense. Again, if you are denied long-term disability or if you are cut off long-term disability after having been paid for a few weeks, few months, a few years, you have to give us a call. We can tell you. We can evaluate uh, the denial from the insurance company. Don't take it as gospel. Don't simply assume that if the insurance company denies you or cuts you off, or it may be, John, that it's not you. It could be a family member or a friend or a colleague. Take the next step. Have them give us a call or email us. Let us take a look at their documentation. It'll take us literally a few minutes to evaluate whether or not the insurance company is correct or not. And if the insurance company is wrong, we can challenge them. And that's what we do at the office. Day in and day out, we fight insurance companies and we force them to come to the table and pay what they owe individuals who have paid good nice. money for these policies. One eight three three in your corner is that number in your corner.ca uh, through email or help it in your corner.ca is the, uh, the email address. What else you got going on? Pal? So last one here. This is uh, this is an email. This is a question that was posted to our website, yep. mydisabilityquestions.com. It's a free website. You can post your questions about long term disability. We'll answer them within minutes for free. So here's the question. This one comes from an, uh, from um, an individual in Scarborough says, I've been waiting for a response from, uh, and he mentions the name of the insurance company, for long-term disability for over four months now. The claim specialist is giving me quite the runaround. I was sent home from work because of extreme knee pain. I'm waiting surgery, which cannot happen until I lose weight. I'm following a diet program and all of my doctor's instructions, yet the LTD claim specialist has not provided a response. They are simply giving me the runaround. Can they deny my claim? And if so, is there anything that I can do uh, if, if that's in fact what happens? She has me quite concerned. So the answer is yes, mm-hmm. depending on what the doctors are saying. If the doctors are saying that this individual cannot go back to work because of uh, his uh, disability, his right. impairment, whatever the condition is, then the insurance company should be giving a response fairly quickly. I don't see why it's taking four months. I can see how sometimes with complex cases it may take a little bit longer, but certainly four months in my mind is way too long uh, and doesn't seem to have uh, an end in sight. But the answer to the question of what happens if they deny his claim, if they deny his claim, 
and his doctors, in fact, do say that he's disabled, we can immediately and we should immediately challenge that denial, take the fight to the insurance company and force them to pay through all legal means. And that's what people need to understand. You have recourse. And to be clear, when you say we can challenge the denial, you're not talking about an appeal. We're Absolutely talking, not. Yeah, we're talking about starting a legal claim. Don't appeal. We're going to talk about that later on in the show for sure. But when you're denied, come to us. We'll start a legal claim, and that's going to get you the resolution as quickly as possible. Exactly. One eight three three in your corner, guys, is the number anytime. Help at inyourcorner.ca as well. I guess we got uh, time to move on to an email here before we break. Got a couple of minutes. We'll get into one. Uh, Sonia writes in, says, my sister worked as an accountant for over 10 years. She had a bad accident a year ago and is still getting long-term disability. She was just let go from her job. Does that mean she will stop getting her LTD? No, no, it doesn't. So your sister, um, as long as you are disabled, um, uh, while you are employed and while you are insured. Whether or not your employment status changes after you become disabled doesn't change your right to claim benefits or to continue to claim benefits. So she's been approved, she's receiving benefits, her employment status changes. That does not change anything with respect to her insurance company. Now, there is an impact on her benefits, but it doesn't mean she's not entitled to receive them. Okay. The impact is that if she's let go from her job and she receives a severance package, that can and usually is a credit to the insurance company. So if she gets, let's say, $10,000 um, from her employer as severance, that is usually going to be a credit to the insurance company, which means that her LTD insurer doesn't have to pay the next $10,000. But that's not always the case, and there are ways to reduce the impact on that. And because of that, it's critical that your disability lawyer also has um, knowledge and experience and access to an employment lawyer, which is why Sanfira Tamarkin um, is able to provide such excellent service to our clients, because we have a full team of both disability lawyers and employment lawyers that can deal with both parts of this type of an issue, the employment and disability side, not just at the outset, but on, on an ongoing basis. And you're not risking any miscommunication if you're dealing with two different firms, which is, it's nice to have it all in-house, right? That's exactly the case. Absolutely. Yeah. In fact, I've seen people who have come to me and, and, you know, they've dealt with the employment side, not the LTD side. Meanwhile, they've settled the employment case. Right. And in that release that they sign, there's some language sometimes in some of those releases that prohibits them or bars them from starting the long-term disability claim. So you want to be very careful that whichever lawyer or office, law office you go to, that they have a, a, you know expertise in, in all these areas. The other thing that I want to mention about Sonia's email about her sister is that she mentioned that she had a bad accident a year ago and she's still getting LTD. So let's not forget about that accident. I don't know what kind of accident this is. It's a car accident, a slip and fall, I don't know, right. whatever accident. So now there is a third element here, not just LTD and employment. Now we're dealing with a potential uh, claim for compensation. Let's say that she was in a car accident and she wasn't at fault for the accident. And as a result of that accident, she suffered severe injuries and that's why she's on LTD. Well, it's very, very important to understand that you're going to have certain benefits that are owed to you by your insurance company if you are in a car accident. Right. So again, all of these things, we can talk about those later, but the point is you want a lawyer or a team of lawyers that can handle all of these claims 
because there is an interplay amongst all of them. Quick break, guys. We'll go back to more emails when we uh, when we return here. one 833 in your corner The number help at inyourcorner.ca is the email address to reach out. Leslie, I got your email. We'll get to you as soon as we come back to In Your Corner right here on Global News Radio. one 833 your corner is the number. Help at inyourcorner.ca to reach out through email. Leslie has promised up next. Says, uh, I really like your show. I've been listening for a few months. My brother was involved in a bad crash seven months ago. He was in hospital for several weeks because of surgeries. We have a lawyer, but we can't ever get a hold of him, and we don't even understand what the process is. All we know is that he said we have a case, but no money's coming in, and he obviously can't go back to his old job at this point. What do we do? So let, let, let me deal with this, John. We've spoken about this uh, in, in the past few years repeatedly. Uh, this is one of those things that makes me extremely angry. When somebody goes to a lawyer for help, and then they can get a hold of that lawyer after they hire that lawyer. Right. And I don't care if it's about you know an injury lawyer, a disability lawyer, a family lawyer, a real estate lawyer, that should not happen. Responsiveness is absolutely key, and as important as responsiveness is, so is the fact that the lawyer should be educating the individual. I see this no different than if you go to a doctor, you have an illness, you want the doctor to not only tell you at the beginning, you know, this is what we're gonna do, but actually sit down and explain to you the process. And I've been through this personally with physicians. It's very, very important. With law, it's the exact same thing. Now, I never, ever advocate as a first uh, thing, as a first recourse for you to just leave the lawyer that you've just hired. But I will tell you this. If you express to that lawyer, both verbally and in writing, your concerns and your expectations for that matter, and the lawyer does not satisfy those, the lawyer still continues to ignore you, as far as I'm concerned, you have every right to leave that lawyer. And frankly, my concern would be is that if that lawyer is not responsive to you, is that lawyer responsive to the other side? What if the insurance company is trying to settle? You know, John, when I used to work as an insurance lawyer, working for insurance companies, defending them, I would come across lawyers who would be doing exactly what James and I are doing, which is representing injured and disabled individuals. And oftentimes, the adjuster I would be representing would tell me, they would say, Sivan, go and offer that settlement to yeah. the other side. And I would present that to the other lawyer, the lawyer representing the injured or disabled individual. And that lawyer would take weeks, months, and sometimes would never even respond back. I bet you, John, that some of those clients, I'm assuming many of them, did not even know that I had made those offers. So again, you want to make sure that whichever lawyer you hire, whichever law firm is representing you, they are responsive and they are explaining the entire process to you because you deserve that and that's a service that you are hiring them to do. You know, in this particular case, I'm afraid that you might be right here, Saban. Um, when I look at Leslie's email about her brother, um, you know, she indicates that her brother was in a car crash seven months ago. So in Ontario, if you're a bad in, car crash, a bad car crash in Ontario, if you're involved in a car accident, you're entitled to what's called statutory accident benefits. It does not matter who's at fault. It could be a one car accident where you inadvertently drive off the road and hit a Into tree. A pole, right? You are still entitled to get these statutory accident benefits. It is a part of every insurance policy in Ontario. And even if you don't have insurance, you're entitled to it. There's a mechanism you can use to get it even without insurance. So everyone involved in a car accident is entitled to receive these statutory accident benefits. 
And if you are working, you're entitled to receive income replacement benefits up to $400 a week, which should start one week after the accident. Now, sometimes there can be a short delay in getting that and in doing the application process and getting a response from the insurance company. And sometimes that could take three, four, six, maybe maybe even eight weeks. But seven months suggests to me that there's a problem here. Even if her brother wasn't working, there's something called non-earner benefits that you'd be entitled to, and that starts four weeks after um, an accident. So it seems to me that there should be money coming in here and isn't, and that's a cause for great concern. So I would tell Leslie to make sure that her brother goes to her lawyer and asks not only what's happening, why can't I reach you, but what's going on with my statutory accident benefits claim? Why don't I have money coming in? Not even starting on the tort claim, which would be the responsibility of the other driver. That could be the, where the real money benefit oh, for, is, right? For sure. All I'm saying is, you know, I'd be very concerned that this lawyer is doing anything at yeah. all because if there's no money, you know, that's the canary in the coal mine. That's the first thing that tells you that there's a problem here. You're right. The you know the tort claim is where you know the greatest part of the recovery is likely to lie. But if you've got no money coming in on accident benefits yeah. right out of the chute, seven months in, there's a problem there, and you want to make sure that everything is being done to address your brother's legal position. Because if it's not being done now, it could prejudice him to a, to a really unfortunate extent down the road. Yeah, and on the issue of delay, John, one of the things that happens oftentimes is that lawyers will simply get retained and then park the case. They won't touch it. They won't deal with it for months and sometimes even years. Sometimes even jeopardizing the two-year limitation period. I was just period about to say that. What for starting claims, two years. Listen, I, I've, you know what? I've started legal claims before against lawyers who had missed limitation periods. Again, I hate doing that. It should never happen, but it does happen. But even if they don't uh, uh, miss the limitation period. If somebody comes to them a day after the accident and the accident was very bad, or LTD, if someone was denied today and called us tomorrow, and we wait for two years to start a claim, I mean, don't, you know, during those two years, our client's not getting any money coming in. It's simply unfair. Forget about the professionalism aspect. So, you know, this is unfortunately something that happens quite often, and I get people complaining about that quite often. So I think it's, it's very important to deal with it, and I think we have here. Don't simply assume that if you've hired a lawyer and that lawyer is being non-responsive and doesn't explain anything, don't simply assume that that's how it should be. It's not. It's not normal. It's not how it should be. It's not professional. And you shouldn't stand for it. We'll talk about going to different clinics and those of the opinion of your insurance company when we uh, come back from a short break to reach out. one 833 Help at inyourcorner.ca as well. Lots more on the way in In Your Corner. On Global News Radio. one in your corner is the number. Help at inyourcorner.ca. We'll get to another email very shortly. So um, I'll throw this one at both of you guys, I guess. So a person's on LTD. Uh, they're told by the insurance company that they must go for treatments at a different clinic than the one they've been used to. Maybe they like the one they're at. Maybe they have a past history with them. Can they refuse to do so? And if they do refuse, will they get cut off? So if you are getting disability benefits, you're entitled to choose who your treatment provider is. Your insurance company is not entitled to say, no, you can't see this person, you have to see this person. They might be able to say, you should also see this person, but not instead of the person that you're seeing. Um, But can they do that? And can they cut you off if you refuse? Well, they can. They can do that. They're not legally allowed to, but that doesn't mean that they won't. So you have to make an informed decision, understanding that if they tell you to go to see um, a different treatment provider, they may well cut you off if you refuse. 
That does not mean that you should agree to do it. You shouldn't be pushed around, and your health should always be the most important thing that you are considering when you're making any decision in the process. And so if you have a treatment provider that you're comfortable with, that's reputable, um, that is appropriate for your particular issue, um, and someone's telling you, no, you can't see them, you have to see someone else, no. You can continue to see them. Now, if this happens, what can you do about it? Well, the first thing you want to do is make sure that you have that in writing because they're not entitled to do that. And you want to make sure that you have a paper record of them telling you that you have to change treatment providers. You can't see this person. And not just that they're saying that, but the reason why. Mm -hmm. So if your adjuster calls you on the phone and says, oh no, you have to go see this other treatment provider, you ask them why that is. And you hear whatever their answer is. And if they don't give you an answer, push them on it. And if you push them on it and they don't say anything, fine. The next thing you do as soon as that phone conversation is over is you write an email to the adjuster confirming every part of the conversation that you can remember and take notes while you're having these conversations. That will help you when you're writing these emails. So you write an email to the adjuster detailing what they have told you, that they have said that you have to go to a different treatment provider and this is the reason why that you told me or that you would not tell me why and I repeatedly ask you to give me a reason why and you refuse to. You send that to the adjuster. If the adjuster does not respond back, then they're stuck with it. But oftentimes what's going to happen in that situation is once it's there in black and white, they're going to realize that they're sunk. They're going to realize that they cannot take that position. They'll say, oh, no, I never said that you had to. I was just suggesting that you might want to. Yes, you can go ahead and continue to see that treatment provider. Why, Um, Why would they care who you went to in the first place if you're getting treatment? Well, I can tell you, John, let's, let's just uh, uh, think about this for a second. Uh, let's say that they're telling you to go to, let's say you've been in an accident and they tell you, we want you to go to this particular mechanic's shop right. to get your, your car fixed. Why would they care that you're going to that particular mechanic's shop? Maybe a little buddy-buddy of the mechanic. Maybe buddy-buddy, perhaps you're getting a better deal, perhaps they think. Yeah, who knows why? But the point is there is an interest for the insurance company and that's what I'm always looking at when the insurance company wants to refer you to right. someone to treat you uh, that's on their list, quote unquote, what exactly do they get out of it? And my concern is what they get out of it is that the clinic wants to remain in their favor. They want to remain loyal to the insurance company, which means perhaps that after a few weeks or a few months of having treated you, they may crank out a report saying you're all better, even though you may not be. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm just saying I would be weary of going to treatments to a clinic that the insurance company is insisting that you go to. Now, something else that I want to mention, and and James alluded to this, and we've spoken about this a lot. Long-term disability, we're not talking about ODSP or CPP disability or workers' comp. Long-term disability is a contract. You have a contract with the insurance company. It could have been a contract you purchased, like a policy, a private policy, or it could have been something that your employer had paid for. The point is, the insurance company has obligations towards you and you have obligations towards the insurance company. And those obligations, both sides' obligations, are rooted in that policy. So you should request a copy of that policy. And if the insurance company is asking you to do something that you're not comfortable with, you have every right to ask your adjuster to point to the exact provision in that policy that says, here's what they want you to do. And frankly, if they can't point you to that provision, I think they have a problem. And frankly, that's exactly what we do in many instances when we think that a request is unreasonable. But if you do that, you're putting them on their heels. 
they're going to be on the defensive. And of course, you do what James said, which is you make sure everything is documented in writing and email is just fine. Now, I, I do want to be fair about this. There are exceptions to this. There are very unusual circumstances where it might be appropriate for them to at least tell you to not continue seeing the treatment provider that you're seeing. If there is, you know, a negative finding against a treatment provider, they've done something unethical, there may be good reason for the insurance company to say, no, we don't accept this doctor's opinion. Right. That's fair enough. Um, or if you have a particular condition that makes um, traveling long distances difficult for you and the treatment provider that you're choosing, you know, is a 30 or 40 minute drive away and that's seeming to aggravate your symptoms, it might well be reasonable for your insurance company to say, listen, you're making your symptoms worse by going for treatment yeah, far away, home. even if you like it. Yeah. You know, this is someone who's closer. You don't have to choose our guy, but you got to choose someone closer. That's reasonable. That's not something I would necessarily say they're not entitled to um, take as a position. But otherwise, yes, if you have a treatment provider that is um, qualified and, you know, there's no complaints against them and they're um, local and, the, you know, the commute isn't causing you any additional strain, by all means, you can continue to see them. I, th I think that, you know, the, the lesson here uh, and, and what to take from this conversation is that the insurance company can't just simply do whatever they want to do. You have to test them. You have to ask questions. Sometimes if you ask us those questions, like, for example, a common question, do I have to go see one of their specialists because they want to assess me to see if I'm still disabled? Right. They have a right to ask you that. That's pretty much in every policy that I have ever seen. Uh, but my point is that if an insurance company, a long-term insurance company, is telling you something or asking you to do something, you are not comfortable with it. For some reason, something in your gut tells you that there is a problem without request or instruction. You have every right to ask and to challenge that instruction. Don't simply you know, take what they say as gospel. And incidentally, insurance companies oftentimes make a lot of mistakes, right? Mm -hmm. They will tell you to do something, you ask them, well, show me where in the policy it says I have to do that. They'll come back and say, oh, sorry, that was a mistake. That's a different policy. Wrong guy. Yeah, something. So my point is challenge them. Challenge them. You have the power to do it. I'm telling you, you have that power. One eight three three in your corner is the number. Anytime, reach out to Savannah or James, a member of the team in your corner, or rather help at inyourcorner.ca for email as well. We'll get to an email uh, from George here when we uh, come back from a short break. Call that number, write down that email, send one in, and we'll get to yours on In Your Corner right here on Global News Radio. I believe Savannah already addressed that question in Thanks. season one, episode four of In Your Corner television version. If you want to catch that, that'll be uh, Sunday at uh, 8.30 a.m. Worst uh, episode ever. one <laughs> in your corner is the number, guys. Help it in your corner.ca for email. George up next says, I'm 48 years old, and I put in an application for LTD and was denied last week because of, quote-unquote, insufficient medical documentation. I don't even understand what that means. My doctors wrote letters and confirmed that I can't work because of a back condition, and I'm scheduled for back surgery later this year. I'm not optimistic that I will be able to go back even if I get the surgery, but I should wait to do the surgery before appealing the decision. Is that correct? So, George, you know, you say that you don't understand what it means, what uh, insufficient medical documentation means. Right. There's a reason for that. They're doing it on purpose. They're being vague on purpose. They could, your insurance company could quite easily give you a detailed list, say, you need to give us X, Y, and Z. Give us these documents, and that's what we need in order to fully consider your appeal. 
but it's easier for them to be vague and it's more difficult for you to respond if they are. And so that's why they do it. They want to make the process more difficult for you than is necessary. And this is it's really just a catch-all. It doesn't mean anything in particular. And I see it all the time. And even in cases where I know that the insurance company has more than sufficient medical evidence to make a determination, such as in your case, when you're talking about you know needing back surgery, being scheduled for back surgery later in the year. If they've got medical documentation showing that you're scheduled for back surgery later this year, I really find it pretty hard to believe that they're going to be able to take the position that you're capable of going back to work right now. That doesn't make any sense, um, and nor is it meant to. It's just meant to frustrate you. So you know what can you do about it? Well, if they're telling you that they're going that they're cutting you off, you start a legal claim right away. You don't appeal. Appealing is just going to drag it on. You appeal their decision, they're going to deny you again. They've already given you their decision and they're not giving you a detailed, reasonable answer as to why. They're just being vague about it. And in your circumstances, there really is no answer here. You're entitled to be getting it. You're scheduled for back surgery. So we start a legal claim now and we get to resolution as quickly as we can. Uh, John, I, I, I agree with everything James said. You know, since we started the TV show, both in Ontario and in BC, in your corner... Uh, I've been receiving quite a lot of emails, not only from people across Ontario, but also in BC who have been basically saying the exact same thing, which is that, oh my God, I wish I had seen your show earlier. I was denied LTD. I appealed it, denied again, appealed again, denied again, like a yo-yo. And that's the interesting thing. And this is, I, I assume is happening across the country. And no one is talking about it the way that we are. No one is able or has the means to talk about, well, now we do. Now we're educating you. So if you don't listen to us, that's your prerogative. You can go ahead and ignore everything we say, but you do that at your own peril and you do that at your family's peril. The reality is this. We are giving you this information. If you act on it, chances are you're going to benefit from that. If you don't act on it, you're probably going to end up at some point saying, I should have listened to them. One eight three three in your corner again is the phone number. Email is help at inyourcorner.ca. Michael got time to uh, get you in here. Says my brother was in a car accident last month and broke three ribs, his right arm, and also suffered a mild traumatic brain injury, according to the doctors. He can no longer work. The problem is that the driver who hit him fled the scene, so we don't have any of his information. What can we do? Can he and his family still get some compensation? Yeah, absolutely. There's actually two means that um, that it's that your brother's family is going to be able to be compensated. Um, the first is through statutory accident benefits. And I've talked about that before. Um, so this is if you're ever involved in a car accident, whether you're insured or not, whether you're at fault or not, you're entitled to receive statutory accident benefits. So that is the first way. There is up to $400 of income replacement benefits. You can also get compensation for your medical and rehabilitation expenses, um, as well as some other things um, there too. But the other part of it, you know, if you wanted to bring a legal claim and you might be thinking, well, we, we don't know who this other driver is. What right. can we do? Well, every policy in Ontario has uninsured motorist coverage. And so that means if you're involved in an accident with another vehicle that leaves the scene of the accident and you're, you, know, you don't get a license plate, you're not able to identify them, what happens is your insurance company steps into the place of that other driver and they will provide insurance money. Um, sometimes you know, up to the full amount of your policy, up to a million dollars in coverage. Um, which is great. But in any case, there's a significant amount of money that's there under every policy in Ontario. So whether you know they identify the driver or not, there is still a basis to bring the claim. 
Yeah, I, I agree 100%. I think that's a, there's a misconception out there by people that if, you, if you're injured in a car accident and you don't know who the driver is, and, and that's happened stiffed. to a lot of my clients, yeah. yeah, they think I have no recourse. You absolutely do have recourse. James is 100% correct. And remember, you have two years from the date of the accident to bring that claim. And in the case here, that, that the, the, the email that you read from Michael, I mean, we're talking about a significant oh, yeah. type of injury. And, you know, when you're dealing with mild traumatic brain injury, spinal injuries, uh, breaks, tears, and sometimes none of the above. Sometimes, you know, it's an injury that affects you in, in a chronic way. You have chronic pain. You're unable to work. We deal with those kinds of cases all the time at the office. Please, please, please give us a call. Email us. Let's have that conversation. It'll cost you nothing. At the end of the day, you will know by the time we finish speaking on the phone or in person, what your rights are and what your legal options are. Reach out, one eight three three in your corner and inyourcorner.ca's website, help at inyourcorner.ca as well. Uh, Dimitri, we'll get to your email next after we take a short break on In Your Corner on Global News Radio. One eight three three in your corner is the number, guys. Help at inyourcorner.ca to reach out, send an email. Dimitri, as promised, up next. Dimitri writes in, guys, says, uh, my wife has stage 2 non-Hodgkin's lymphoma and has been on LTD for over a year. Her insurance adjuster thinks that she should be able to do some work, but her oncologist says that she can't. We're concerned about being cut off her disability payments, and every time we deal with this adjuster, we get extremely anxious. What do we do? Dimitri, this is, uh, I mean, you know, the anxiousness is very understandable. And John, I've dealt with a lot of individuals uh, who've suffered from cancer or loved ones have suffered from, from, from cancer and, and they've had a hard time with insurance companies. And, you know, you'd think that especially something like cancer, you would think that an adjuster would understand that. We're not talking about a complicated medical condition. Actually, I would, I would disagree with you. Okay. I would think that the adjuster really wouldn't have a full understanding of that and should be deferring to the treating doctor because yeah, right. they don't I, know yeah. what they're talking yeah, exactly. about. I agree with you. I, I was going to get to that. <laughs> I, I, I couldn't help myself. I'm no, sorry. no, I, I agree. I agree with that point. The point I'm trying to make is that it's absolutely outrageous that this adjuster is acting the way that 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 he is. And, you know, I understand completely the anxiousness. And that's one of the things that we've been emphasizing on this show is that once we get involved and we deal with the, these adjusters, they are no longer allowed to speak with you directly. We are that wall between them and you. And we push back. Now, Dimitri, in your, in your wife's case, uh, it, it seems to me from your email that uh, the disability payments have not been cut off at this point, but clearly you're concerned. My advice is, and I'm going to echo what James said earlier, document everything that's happening, all the conversations in writing, and send those uh, confirmations via email perhaps with a, with a read rece- uh, uh, receipt to the adjuster and make sure you document everything. And if you feel uncomfortable with something the adjuster is saying or doing, document that. Trust me, it's going to it's it's going to help you down the road. Now, if the adjuster is giving you signals like your wife's going to get cut off, you know we can get involved right now. We could, and and we've done that in the past. But generally speaking, you know if you have that inkling, if you think you're going to get cut off or your loved one is going to get cut off, chances are it's going to happen fairly quickly. That's when we spring into action. That's when we hit the insurance the insurance company uh, uh, back really hard. And, and John, in Dimitri's case, the oncologist is saying this and the adjuster yeah. is, is pushing back on it. You know, I, I, maybe I'm a cynic, but I'm thinking to myself that the insurance company here, the adjuster, is using the situation to bully these two individuals and is trying to force them to walk away from money that is owed to them. That's what I think is happening. Now, I, this ought to go without saying, but I'm going to say it anyway because I want to be perfectly clear. 
and I want to make sure that everyone listening to the show understands. Your decision about what to do should be based on medical advice, not the opinion of your insurance adjuster, frankly, not on the opinion of your lawyer. When you're talking about a decision regarding your health, you make that decision with your treating doctor and healthcare practitioners. That's it. I don't care what this adjuster thinks. They are not an oncologist. They do not special, I guarantee you, they do not specialize in cancer treatment. And at most, they may have briefly referred to, you know, a, a website or perhaps a textbook you know, for 10 seconds, Google. that yeah, that does not give them the right to tell you that you are able to do something that your treating doctor, your oncologist is telling you that you can't. You simply should not be listening to someone who isn't qualified to be giving you advice or to have an opinion. And this goes whether or not you're talking about cancer or just a bad back. And I say just a bad back. I mean, a bad back can be very serious as well, too. Whatever your disability is, if your doctor is telling you that you can't go back to work, that's who you listen to not your insurance adjuster. And John, sometimes what will happen is that the adjuster will tell you that they've consulted with one of their medical specialists, mm -hmm. be it a doctor right. or a non-doctor. Again, you know what? I would look at those reports. I'm sure James has a lot to say about that, but I'll tell you this. I would defer to the treating physicians well, yeah. because those are the individuals who have been treating this person for weeks, months, or years. And and here's here's the thing. Don't just listen to us. If this thing ever made its way through the courts to a trial before a judge, by the way, the vast majority of these cases never ever see a courtroom, unlike what you see on TV, because insurance companies simply don't want to take these cases to court. Right. If you end up in court before a judge, who do you think a judge is going to, to listen to? To the treating physicians or to the adjuster and perhaps one of their medical specialists who perhaps never even seen you before? Yeah. So, you know, we're not just telling you this because, you know, we're concocting something. We're telling you this is just how it is. Insurance companies can't do whatever they, they, they simply want, but they will use the situation to their advantage to get you off claim so that they don't have to pay you so that they can make more money. And I guess this, this goes as much, if not more so, for things and disabilities and injuries that don't show up on an x-ray or a, a MRI, something, a mental disability, same thing, right? Even more so when we're talking about uh, mental health claims. Um, this is something that is vastly misunderstood by society at large. We are, you know, a, as a society becoming better informed on it, but the reality is that, you know, it's your treating doctors, um, your counselors, your therapists that are the ones that should be telling you or giving you advice on what you can and can't do. You should not expect that your insurance adjuster has any expertise in this area. And even if they do, I would seriously question their motivations as well. one in your corner, the number help at inyourcorner.ca to reach out through email. We'll get to another one after a short break right here. This is In Your Corner on Global News Radio. one in your corner and help at inyourcorner.ca as well to reach out through email. Lucy is up next, says my father was denied LTD last November. He is a dentist and ha had a private policy that he bought over a decade ago. My mother passed away six months ago, and um, it hit him extremely hard. He hardly speaks to anyone except for a psychologist who says that he suffers from a severe depression and anxiety. He doesn't come out of the house. Uh, I'll, I do all of his shopping and cleaning. I'm hoping that you can help. He's all but given up on challenging the insurance company. I can't understand why they've denied him. Well, I, I can definitely understand, Lucy, why your father has almost given up. Because, I mean, again, this is exactly what the insurance company wants. 
you know, the reality is this, that if he's experiencing these symptoms and he's been diagnosed, uh, formal diagnoses uh, under the DSM-4, he has a psychologist, a psychologist saying he cannot work, he should be approved. And here's what we do. We start a legal claim against the insurance company. We push back. My sense is, is that because he's a, de- a dentist, uh, private practice, has a private policy that he purchased, he probably is a very high earner. And, you know, we've dealt with those kinds of, uh, of policies before. Usually they have some kind of caps on them. But, you know, y- you can be looking at, uh, you know, payouts in the hundreds uh, of thousands of dollars, if not in the seven figures, right. you know. So I understand why insurance companies are reluctant or do everything they can to try and avoid paying these kinds of claims. But there is no reason to simply sit back or, or walk away. So what I suggest, Lucy, is that after the show is over, uh, we, we get in touch and we, we speak with you. We speak with your father. As soon as we get involved, as soon as we get into the picture, we are now the ones communicating with the insurance company. We are the ones that can communicate with his psychologist as long as he gives us an authorization or any other specialists, right. treatment providers. We will push back. And here's the thing. Given the... the, the background here that you've explained what happened with your mother what happened in terms of you know his depression again this is not a complex medical condition i can see us resolving this claim fairly quickly with the insurance company and there's no reason to wait certainly there's no reason not to do anything about it lucy you got the email here's the number just in case one eight three three in your corner to reach out and talk to james or savan uh you mentioned a private policy that he took out on his own does it make a difference whether uh, your LTD is given to you or at least taken out by the employer they're paying out rather than an insurance company? Is there any different consideration when it comes to that? I, by and large, no. Um, really, the only difference is whether or not the policy is taxable. Uh, uh-huh. And so if you're being paid benefits, they're going to be taxable if your employer is paid for the entire benefit package. Um, and if you get to, if you get cut off or denied and you're resolving the claim, a portion of the the settlement money is almost always going to be assigned to past benefits. Benefits from the date you were cut off or denied up to the date of settlement. Okay. That's considered past benefits. And if you have a taxable policy, that portion of any settlement would be taxable. But that's really you know, the only significant consideration when you're talking about employer paid versus private. So, so the tax implications I agree with. Something else to consider is that uh, if you purchase your own policy, you have a bit more control over what it is you're buying. Okay. No different than if you're buying a home policy or a boat policy, travel insurance, whatever it is, right? There's a menu of options. Uh, if you have LTD through work, you may want to just ask HR uh, if that policy covers you until age 65, which is you know the period that most of these policies cover you till. Some policies are time-limited policies. They're just for two years or five years. Some of them even go beyond age 65. Right. Some of them have differences in terms of how much they pay. So there's a variety of things that, you know, riders that you can purchase. Uh, things, extra things. Again, like anything else, the more you pay, the more you get. So again, if you get it through work, you may want to find out more about your policy and you may want to think about taking out additional insurance. Again, if you want, if you're one of those people who likes the extra coverage, uh, because you may find that what, you're, what you have through your employer is not necessarily uh, everything that you want. I'm glad that you actually brought up the issue of riders because there is one rider that is often available, especially on a, on a policy that you purchase privately, um, that I think is really useful. So something that we talk about on the show most weeks is the own occupation period. And that's you know the first two years after you're receiving benefits, you're entitled to receive benefits as long as you can prove that you are not able to return to your own occupation because right. of disability. 
After two years, the test gets much tougher, and it becomes whether you can return to any occupation, which obviously means there are a lot of people after two years that are going to be cut off, and legitimately so. Mm -hmm. The test is tougher at that point. But in a lot of cases, you can purchase a rider that will extend the own occupation period through age 65. And so that means that your entitlement is much more likely after the two years. And so it's worthwhile when you're purchasing the insurance to ask your insurance broker or the insurance company how much it would cost to purchase that additional rider. And oftentimes it's really not going to be um, a whole lot uh, yeah. to just get that rider, maybe you know, an extra 10, 20 bucks a month. And I think the uh, the accident benefits too up to the four hundred. You can get optional there too, which is probably a smart thing to do. Again, you guys can deal with you know. Yeah, you're you're, you're, you're talking now not not about LTD policies. You're talking about auto insurance policies. Yeah. If you have yeah. a broker, or you go to just a regular insurance company. You say, I want insurance for my automobile. Yes, you can get optional benefits. And in fact, I would recommend that you get op- optional benefits because in the event that you are in an accident, whether you're at fault or not, you may get extra protections, and, and that may in fact go a long way. You know, if you are in the unfortunate situation of of being in an accident. Final thoughts, guys. What do you think moving forward? I think, John, that uh, you know, there's a lot to speak about. I, I tell you, every week that passes by, uh, and we do this show, and now we started the TV show again, both in BC and Ontario. Yeah, we are getting a ton of feedback. It's just amazing to me how many myths there are out there, how many misconceptions are out there, and the biggest one of all. And this is what I think I would want to leave uh, uh, people with um, at the end of the show is this. Insurance companies don't have the power that you think they do. If you have been wronged by them, especially if you're dealing with a long-term disability claim, or if you've been in a car accident or a slip and fall, have been injured, don't simply assume insurance companies have all the power in the world. They don't. They they are subservient to the law. We can force them to pay what they owe you. That's crucial. But you need the right team. You need the right lawyers. You need the right... Uh, advocates for you to take the fight to the insurance company to make sure you get paid what you're owed. One eight three three in your corner is the number to reach out from here on in and help at inyourcorner.ca if you want to uh, send an email along. Now that we're done for the day here to uh, James or Savannah, a member of the team, and of course in your corner on Global TV happens Sundays at eight thirty a.m. as well. Till next time, this has been in your corner right here on Global News Radio.